we just have a little discussion after service, and we record it for a separate podcast that we do. Um, so we should talk about the service. And so what we okay, open that up. If you'd like to share, if you'd like to talk, great. If you'd like to not talk and not share, that's great too. There's no pressure here. I'm an introvert, so if it was me, I'd probably be halfway out the door right now. But we've got people like Caleb who are extroverts who say, do it. So, yeah, we're going to uh, open up the floor for discussion. And, uh, yeah. No discussion? Okay. Just kidding. Yes. I like the tie-in about being a victim of misinformation because it's been really difficult with... Um, I don't have charitable thoughts sometimes towards Trump supporters who are okay with what's going on at the border and, and things like that. I mean, I tend to think of, of things going in the way of Nazi Germany, and then I wonder, how can they not see it, you know? So. It's much easier to preach it than to live it, because I feel the same way, I and mean, I just go, Oh, how, how can they not see it? But Gandhi and King and Jesus have all kind of been applying the ointment for me not to completely write people off. Yeah, please do. Okay. If because I'm I'm in the same boat as you as far as having. Um, family members who I love with all my heart who are very much on a on a different um, political spectrum than myself um, but then I, I also have to consider if I didn't have those loved ones in my life who were on that other page would I would I relate to those people would I understand those people as much like I think we've talked about this recently too like if if you didn't have conversations with the other, which may just be an illusion, may just be a, a term that we that we've made up. But like, if you didn't have conversations or relationships with the other, would it be as easy to love them or understand where they're coming from? Would it be easier, like, to, to demonize them? Because, like, I when you're talking about your dad, like that that gets me really emotional because my honestly, both my parents and, and one of my siblings are are extremely on the other side of the. Uh, the political and social um, uh, perspective that I have, I guess, and and so I just wonder, like, if I didn't, maybe that's a blessing. Like, maybe if I didn't have that, I wouldn't be able to see people who are in a similar boat and relate with them like I do, I guess. Yeah, I feel that way too. Yeah, you know, because I have honestly I've had people who challenge me to love outside my comfort zone before, you know. And um, it's easier to go like, okay, well, let me look at my dad, who, you know, as an example, mm-hmm. yep. to, to who I have to love. Who I have to love, but who I choose to love. Um, to see people more, to see more human people, I see beings, human people, human people. <laughs> I see them as human people. 
obviously a struggle. You know, it's funny though. Like, there's probably some church somewhere today preaching the same thing about well, that's about us. Yeah, we're the other. Yeah. So maybe if we could get together with that church for pop up. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's so beautiful what Jesus does and how we look at scripture and we're like he he talked with the he talked with the woman at the well, he talked with the tax collectors, which those like being a tax collector was one of the worst things you could possibly do, like you were saying, with taking you were the enemy and it just seems like Jesus just didn't care. He was like, I know I should be I know all the societal do's and don'ts, and I just don't care. I'm here to radically change it. And I always say Jesus is more radical, but he teaches us, like, there is no other, all these, you know, this or that, or these people are in or out. It's just like this, if you want to follow me, if you want to follow my teachings, then everyone is a part of it, and I don't care who. And that always hits me all the time, because... At my new job where I started, it's at a very liberal school, but yet everyone I worked with was super conservative and like Trump supporters. I was totally unfamiliar with me and the people I that I'm used to working with and just having the conversations because there's so many times where they talk about immigration or they talk about just a whole bunch of different things and everything like my heart's starting to raise, I can feel like my blood pressure rising. And I just gotta be like, calm down, Brian, just calm down and I have to have these conversations with them and being like okay I can understand why you view this the way you do but here's a different side and we have fruitful conversations and I'm not there to change their mind but I just almost feel like God's saying like slow down Brian slow your roll like these people these people are in just as much as you are in but you just get so mad so many times that we let our anger we let our whatever get in the way of just being like if Jesus was here walking amongst us right now, he would be talking with everyone and anyone. And so often we, you know, whether on the liberal or progressive side, we're like, oh, the other. Or conservative evangelicals will be like, oh, they're the other. And I think that whole dualism, it, like Jesus is, Jesus hates it. He's like, everyone is in. We need to love each other, and we're just mucking it up and making it harder than it should be. It's not easy, I'm not going to say that, but I think we just, we're in this situation because we refuse to hear each other, we refuse to love each other, and just care. I was having a conversation with my wife, and I was dropping her off, but she's teaching Sunday school, and I guess I'm just uh, surprised at it's really the concept that I see and a belief for your dad, his eschatology and all these other things on redemptive violence. That people who see God using violence as a redemptive means, it's so much easier for them to justify the immigration, the Second Amendment, uh, because that's freedom. To be able to do violence, that there is a redemptive quality to that. And that would be the central tenet. I, if I said, if I could really challenge something, that would be it. It would be this whole cost. But then, 
why why we're kind of why I'm kind of hanging out as a uh, we met at North Central. So yeah, so as a as a hey, form, form. we did too. We did too. <laughs> That's where my parents met. <laughs> I I walk the skyways. Thanks a lot. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> they, they, they donated. I'll let them know. <laughs> um, kind of like uh, you know, as a former pastor, I, I I really struggled with that concept. Even even to the cross, they see that as as not as God, you know, sacrifice. It, it's more of a legal contract. And because if you only look at the cross in the form of redemptive violence, well, God did violence to Jesus to redeem, then it justifies doing violence to anybody because that's how they see God. And if that if that was, that would be the one concept that if I, I mean, it's, just, it's like, yeah, I, I think if you, if you can move from that, Everything else makes more sense. It's like you can almost exhale. It's like, wait, that's not what it's about. Um, it's not this legal, you know, contract. And a lot of it. And I, I'm glad I came here because, like, you're weird, and I can be weird too. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> is, is a lot of it comes from uh, the influence of paganism through in, in Israel, from from you know how they looked at you know God. You know, it was seen as thunderbolts or cookies. If you do good things, you get cookies. You do bad things, you get thunderbolts. So, if if that's if you remove from that, then it just makes a lot more sense to me, uh, and it's more beautiful. And you don't have to worry about people questioning your faith, uh, or you question your own faith. So, um, yeah. so that's me contributing to it. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I appreciate it. Had a similar conversation with my dad probably two years ago down the road at the pizza place. What's it called? The one we went to, but okay. Well, it's close to Long Delano. Luce. Oh, with my dad at Luce. It was very intense. Because, like, sacrifice is the essence of violence. And I totally, like, I'm on the same page as you, but just, my reaction being raised evangelical is, like, the entire, the entire like, presupposition of Judaism and Christianity in, in Christ on the cross, like you were saying, is sacrifice. Is We are redeemed, we are justified through sacrifice. So... And is, is sacrifice there, violence, or is it is it like letting go of the violent aspect and just like taking on other like washing feet and stuff? I, I think that you know you have to understand that the accommodation that God made, especially in the Old Testament, uh, people it's like we want to we want to be king like everyone else. And God's like you don't need a king, you don't, you don't need a king, and we want a king. Okay, have a king. But it's like we want a temple where we can worship. You don't need a temple. I'm with you always. No, no, we want, they have a temple. No. We want a temple. Uh, okay, have a temple. So 
in the idea of sacrifice, I see that that got interspersed in there too. It's like a list of things. You're going to have these things. Don't do any of this stuff. So yeah. So then the law comes, and so that I think you know basically seeing sacrifice as some kind of then legal contract. That's that's where it gets muddy because then your your faith is not in the relationship; it's in the legal contract that that makes. Yeah. So that's how people was like, well, you know, I I said a prayer when I was nine at Bible camp. I'm <laughs> legally covered. You know, we can do whatever we want to other people. I'm, I'm cut. It's like right. they see it as a legal yeah, this, sacrifice. The sacrifice is a legal contract to them. Oh, yeah. And yeah. And again, I don't want to get. I think she had to listen to me. I'm like, oh, that dude. It did. So that came out around the 1950s, and Bill Bright and Campus, you know, the Campus Crusade. They said no one even thought like that, and you know, mm-hmm. the whole eschatology with you know pre-trib all that said that came out in the 1970s. Yeah, right. I mean, it's like this is just new stuff, you know. So it's like, how? Did, but people are like, oh, they, they believe it, you know. Yeah. So anyway, so I, I can I'm rambling on, but yeah, but I just say in a sacrifice, the early church, they did not see the cross as a legal covenant. That, that covered, that's not how they interpreted it at, at all, and you can see that happening as opposed to how it's come to be now, which I think is become like we're covered legally. So sacrifice, yeah. So um, I think that concept of uh, a legal becomes becomes a very legal thing, and that's why even what there were some conservative. And I, I try to stay on, but trust me, I try to yeah, stay on. Yeah, I try to. I try my best. But she's like, it was, well, no, it was Paula White, that the evangelist, Paula White. Yep. yep. Okay. Yeah. Who said, you know, Jesus, what, I forget what it was about. He's like, he couldn't have been, because it's about refugee status. If he broke the law, he couldn't be the Messiah. That's what he, that's what she said. Well, if he was if he broke the immigration laws, he couldn't be the Messiah. So oh, and it's like so oh. they 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 love legal legality so much. That's how they view the cross. That's how they view Jesus. That's how they view everything. It's through a legal lens, and it, it really once you do that, you, you you we're talking two different things. We really are. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Like that, yeah. That's great. Any burning desires? So, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of different ways to other others, and uh, there's sometimes a, a mentality that there's a very ironclad distinction between the us and the them. But I guess. Something that I've been thinking about is how sometimes that divide is a little bit more porous than we really like to admit to ourselves because it's uncomfortable. And one way to other the other is to kind of scapegoat and to take your own internal turmoils and to push them onto other people. Mm. And I guess that that's kind of my own uh, the thoughts that came to my own mind from the talk today is that sometimes when I think of someone as the other and think, oh, they're so dumb and they're not thinking about things in this way, or rather like in the story, you know, the Samar- Samaritans are partially Jewish, so there's genetically part of the Jewish mentality and tradition within them, or with the tax collector, 
uh, as partially a result of this social-political uh, situation at the time. And I'm not saying in any way that the Jewish people were at fault for the political situation, but it was just a natural progression. And Levi or Matthew was a Jewish person, so... Uh, and, and with like uh, I, I guess I kind of grew up in the church and went away for a little while and I'm sort of coming back around but it was easy for a time to say like the Christians are the other they're mm. you know fundamentalists and they aren't thinking in uh, western uh, enlightenment sort of ways and so I can't or you know postmodern sort of so I can't identify with them. But the challenge for me is to try to figure out a way to see myself in the other and to see the conflicts that I'm pressing upon them and saying that they're dumb um, maybe are a reflection or a mirror to things that I'm trying to deal with myself that I am having a hard time dealing with. And it's easier to just say, well, they're the dumb ones and I have to figure it out. But it's harder to say, well, maybe the, the otherness isn't so other. Maybe there's other otherness inside of me that I'm not willing to recognize because I'm just trying to externalize it. And, uh, and it all becomes more of an inner process. And, and maybe if that those sort of conflicts within myself were dealt with, I'd have an easier time just walking up to somebody that has a different worldview, being able to have a conversation with without even having these things in my head. Red flags, like, they have different ideas than I do, and I can't converse with them. Uh, so, yeah, it's a takeaway. Best afterglow yet. I think so. Yeah. All right, everybody, well, thanks for coming out. And say hello to each other before you leave.